Welcome to Frost Sessions, the Frost School of Music's official podcast. In this episode, we go behind the scenes of the arts presenting world as arts leader and director of the arts presenting program, Gary Wood, shares stories with Frost alumnus and executive director of the Georgia Symphony Orchestra, Taylor Rambo. Together, they explore the importance of empathy in the arts, mitigating and controlling mission drift, using the arts to build community, and how leadership and positivity can lead to success. Thank you so very much for joining us and remember to stay tuned to Frost Sessions. Hi there guys, I'm Gary Wood. I'm the Director of Arts Presenting and Live Entertainment Management here at the University of Miami in the Frost School of Music. Uh, just so you know, the program is a graduate school program that um, encompasses live entertainment management basically across the board. And there are uh, opportunities to do this degree on campus and online and, and there's actually um, a JDMA option as well. But it's great to be with you today. I am thrilled to have a conversation with a former student and a, a alum that we're extremely proud of. And uh, his name is Taylor Rambo, and he's going to be joining us in a second. I want to just say quickly before I let Taylor introduce himself just a smidge, is that um, Taylor uh, was really in many ways, the first student I met when I came to the University of Miami. And I just want to say up front that to kind of lay the foundation of our conversation that he had the vision at the time to see this professor coming into Miami who was uh, maybe a bit lost and trying to find his way. And he immediately jumped in and offered whatever assistance he could to make sure that I felt like I was on on, on sure ground and kind of had a lay of the land. And he was always there for me right from day one. And this was some years ago now. So I'm, I wanna throw that out there of kind of giving you a sense of the, of the proud alum that we have here. So um, Taylor, why don't you give us just a short snippet of introduction um, and, then, and then I'll toss out the first question. Sure, yeah. Thank you so much, Gary. Um, uh, I'm Taylor Rambo. Um, I have uh, gotten two lovely degrees from the Frost School of Music, a Bachelor of Music in Music Business and Entertainment Industries, uh, graduating in 2014, and um, the Arts Presenting and Live Entertainment Management Master's degree graduating here uh, in 2017. Um, I'm so excited that uh, my career path has gone in a lot of interesting directions, um, all in the performing arts management sphere from uh, the uh, service in organizations like um, the Association of Performing Arts Professionals um, to now today I'm the uh, executive director of the Georgia Symphony Orchestra, or rather the incoming one. Um, I officially start and take the reins on July the 1st. Um, but it's so good to be here today and to be able to talk with folks um, around uh, the Frost School of Music. Well, thank you for that, Taylor. Let, let's go ahead and jump in a little bit to, um, to some of that background. How is it, I don't know the answer to this, how is it that you ended up at the uh, University of Miami in the first place? Yeah, well, um, when I was in high school, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for college. Um, and after looking at a few different programs, um, out of all of the programs that I look, was looking for, and I was looking for something interdisciplinary, um, because as much as I love being a pianist and being a musician, um, I also wanted to see if there were other skill sets that I could gain at the same time. And so um, out of all the schools that I looked into, uh, the Frost School of Music was the one, you know, it, um, it had the marching band opportunity, which is something I had done in high school. Um, it had the opportunity for me to continue to study piano um, in a professional way um, and to get involved in everything from choir to 
acapella groups, uh, the music business aspects, learning about the recording industry, um, all that stuff. And it just, it seemed like the right place to be for someone who thought he knew what he wanted to do, but still hadn't entirely made up his mind. Well, you know, that that seems to be so typical of everybody I've ever met in our in our world about the <laughs> fact that we, we still kind of wonder what we're going to do when we grow up. You know, we're always looking for that. One of the things about your background that you brought up, I wanted to get into a little bit, and I'm going to just dive right in, is something that is near and dear to me. And I think for those folks and who who are in management as it relates to live entertainment and so forth would it would it would uh, agree is that we all seem to have this performance background this artist background there's a part of us that actually perform you know that we have performed in the past i have a masters in in woodwinds performance and performed a lot um you know and there's that artistic side on the you know on the performing side and then there's the artistic side perhaps on the business side but tell us a little bit more uh, one about your actual performing background and how you think that maybe informs who you are as a leader and and again on that business artistry side yeah sure well i mean i don't think i would be anything of the person I am today if it weren't for the musical background and experiences mm -hmm. I've had. I mean, you know, I'd say probably one of my early leadership opportunities as a musician and as as a, a person who wanted to be involved in a greater way than just performing was um, I was the high school marching band uh, drum major. Uh, and I got to lead all the students, make sure they were okay, um, you know, check on them in between, uh, you know, performing and in rehearsals and be part of that whole process, sort of a, a teaching process, um, but also just uh, a caring for people, community building, those kinds of things. Um, and so yeah, I got into the Frost School of Music. I actually um, got to be one of the drum majors of the Band of the Hour at the Frost School as well, my uh, sophomore year. And, and these kind of opportunities for leadership in musical roles just really started to shape my understanding of what I could do and how I could work with other people. And, and I think it wasn't just you know being a leader um, in the terms of being a CEO or something like that, but it's being in a musical environment, um, still performing in a way, whether you're playing the trumpet or you're, you know, conducting with your hands or, you know, whatever, it's that collaboration on the field as a, as a marching band person. Um, one of the early experiences I had is when you're a piano principal um, at uh, the Frost School of Music or a pianist, uh, one of your ensembles that you take is actually accompanying. So you get to work with other musicians and you co-create with them in a, in a performance way and you go perform at their juries and stuff like that. And so those kind of collaborative opportunities really defined my perspective on what it meant to make music and what it meant to make music happen on the stage. Um, and so, you know, fast forward and you take that collaborative mindset and that accompanying mindset and you think it's that push and pull between performer and the management of the organization. And I think one of the early things I learned at Frost was um, we want you to be trained musicians in the music business program so that when you go out into the field and you go work with musicians, um, you're not just a shark, you know, you're someone who cares for and understands the craft that it takes to make the music happen. So, you know, basically the school wants folks in the field, in the music business field, in the arts management field who have that perspective and are willing to see what it takes to be 
you know, artistically involved and that it's not just a product that you're trying to sell, but it's people, it's community, it's human nature, it's expression um, that is beyond just uh, being something that needs to be marketed or sold. Well, you know, the word that you didn't use, but I think is uh, all around what you were saying, one of the words that comes to mind uh, that you uh, uh, were really talking about was a sense of empathy, because you have a keen sense of empathy for what the artist is going through and what the artist needs. At the same time, you're balancing that with uh, two others, the audience and what the audience needs and look is looking for, but also in terms of the venue or the organization that may be hosting that, which has its own needs and that that uh, interconnectedness is something that makes the our industry both extremely challenging, but also that's the that's the heart of the fun of it too. But your your quality, your skills as an artist, and your awareness of what it takes to be an artist, I think, has really caused you to have that level of empathy. Because I saw it between you and other students as well. But I don't know if you want to comment on that. Yeah. Well. Um... You just made me um, think about one of my experiences. So um, one of the things that I was never sure about was, you know, once I left the Frost School of Music, if I would have an opportunity to be a performing musician, because all I could think was, well, you know, there's all these amazing performance majors and contemporary, you know, students through all these different awesome programs. And, uh, and I was like, well, I'm just a music business student. Um, and, you know, uh, the music part teaches you the empathy, it, it gets you involved. Um, but then I found myself in Washington, D.C. for about two years as a musical theater pianist and got to be an accompanist for a cabaret series that just, it was such an incredible opportunity um, to take that music business and arts management brain, but then also still be a performing musician. I, I had never expected that opportunity, but, you know, getting back to it, it's, I remember being on stage and feeling the push and pull as a pianist when you're performing with a singer or a musician or whatever, you know, you're sitting there and you're experiencing a push and pull if it's if you're really connected and you're working together between the performer in front of you and then you in the background and and as an accompanist you don't necessarily have um, the spotlight on you, but it's like that push the I'm getting um, uh, goosebumps right now thinking about that experience of, of collaboration and it's that mindset that I brought into other things and that uh, that community building and an empathy connection um, it, it's really easy to transcend the musical experience and especially if it's something that you feel and you've experienced and you know it's easy to feel that and experience that and know that with other people even yeah. in a workplace situation yeah well it's really interesting that you would be involved in cabaret because you're a very um you have a, a innate desire to want to connect the word you've used several times here but also on a really personal level there's a part of you that uh, is willing to to uh, bridge in a really personal way with your audience, which which the kind of music you've been involved with really allows for, and that is something that um, again I I have noticed about you that I think gives you strong communication skills because you um, you exude something that that people crave beyond just words and and uh, and so I'm just kind of applauding you for that, but I think that that's something for you to really kind of think about and explore of how, to, how did those musical experiences continue to impact you in terms of 
looking at the world through the eyes of the people that you're serving, especially especially audience. But you know, another thing that I was going to say is um, you you mentioned leadership, and I want to come back to that. But you're also alluding to the fact, kind of between the lines, that there is a mission or purpose for everything that you're trying to do. It's not just done off the cuff, or it's not just done ad hoc, although there is always some improvisation, but it's always got a mission or purpose behind it. And it seemed to me that one of the questions you always kind of asked all the time, which helped me clarify was, why are we doing this? What's the purpose of doing this? Because you wanted to get to the heart of it. And, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. If you have any thoughts around the idea that things are done with a mission and purpose behind it. Yeah, well, and you just you just touched on something uh, that made me think of a time when I was in high school um, and I was in a calculus class. And by this point, um, I'd been pretty good at math uh, most of my life up to that point, but I hit calculus and for some reason it just did not compute with my brain. Um, and I had a teacher who uh, was teaching us something and I was just pretty much totally lost. And I said, what is the purpose of this? And she said, oh, well, you can use it to calculate the speed of water through a pipe. And I was like, well, I don't want to be a civil engineer. So what's going on here? And I don't want to disparage people who use calculus because there's incredible stuff that happens in the engineering field with that art form. But what I'm getting more into is that I realized that that wasn't a drive for me. That was not something that I felt I can contribute with my skill set, with my knowledge, with my experience to that point. And that didn't seem like a trajectory that was that was what I wanted to do anymore. And, and that was sort of when I began to understand the direction that I thought my life should go in. Um, and it turns out that, um, that that missional drive is so core to everything I do. It, it, I don't know if other people feel as compelled missionally as I do about some things, but I think we all have something that there's uh, driving us, pulling us forward, pushing us towards some goal or some you know, action. Um, and for me, um, that just aligns so well with the nonprofit arts world, right? Because we exist as nonprofit entities to serve the community, to do something that that is greater than what is just out there, or um, you know, nonprofits get that tax break because the government says you're contributing something to our community that we cannot contribute, um, and so that's that pulled me towards nonprofit and missionally driven work, and also makes me keenly aware of when something is drifting, mission drift. Um, is, a, is a concept we talk about all the time in the nonprofit world, which is, are your activities in co conjunction with what your mission statement or what your vision is for the organization versus are you getting distracted? And so um, this has definitely become a core thing that, that I live my life by. And, and I think you're absolutely right that that's very clearly something that drives me. Well, you know, I, I know, um, you know, a lot of the history of how you've been courageous and you've tried various different things and you've really expanded your skill set through those uh, you know diverse experiences that you've taken on you seem fearless to me and I like one of the other things I like too is that you're always very candid about what worked or what didn't work or what was right and what wasn't right and I you know in the industry that you're in that is so essential to have that transparency because then then there's a a pathway to fix it or a, a pathway to take advantage of, of that which we do. And um, so I, again, I kind of really appreciate that about the way that you go about your work is that 
there is that sort of courageous aspect, but not everything always has been perfect. Not everything's been just right, but we find our way and we make it work. And that's kind of the way nonprofits function as well. I wanted to uh, stay on, before I get away too far from audience, so I want to stay on that a little bit. Um, you know, when you were at UM in the time that I worked with you, you always seemed to be aware that there was a larger audience than just me or a larger audience than just your classmates. But there was something else at work in your mind in terms of who you were, you know, quote unquote, speaking to. And I don't even know if that was always identified. You know, it might have been the dean or it might have been, uh, you know, the department or it might have been potential employers. But there always seemed to be a part of you that realized that it wasn't always just one person that you were speaking to or one thing that you were speaking to, but there was a larger audience. How does that if I'm on to something, if that's true, how did how has that been true for you, perhaps as a student and now as a professional? You know, that's such an interesting observation, and and thank you for for pointing that out. I mean, you've said some very nice things about me uh, today, and I really appreciate. We're very it. proud of you, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I I think you're you're very right. I I I feel like the best example that I can use. Um, is uh, is when you're talking about fundraising. So um, after I was in your program, you know, I just thought, gosh, the thing that I need to learn the most is fundraising because it seems like it's the the resources are always limited when you're looking at arts nonprofits and you're looking at how do you get that out there and and you know because what we do is not just entertainment; it's community building, it's education. Um, and all of those aspects around that, providing outreach opportunities, all these things. Um, and, uh, and with that, uh, fundraising is so essential. Um, and so, you know, in my first role in fundraising um, at the Washington Ballet, um, it was so interesting to learn how the messaging of what it is that you're saying um, has to be tailored to different groups of people. You know, uh, when you talk about a program, you can talk about all of the great aspects of that program, and you can speak at length about um, how it impacts the community, how it does this, how it does that. But when you're speaking to donors in particular, um, it's not just, is this great art, but it's, how does this art connect with you? Um, and, and it's sort of finding those ways to say those multiple messages, um, you know, how does this art connect with you versus for an education program? How is this going to help you grow and get ready to go into college and, and be a, you know, with the Georgia Youth Symphony um, Orchestra, you know, we have a, a ton of ensembles and, you know, we want those kids in the community to get that additional experience beyond just being in band or an orchestra at their high schools. You know, we want to give them those additional hours to get to their 10,000 hours of perfecting their instrument before they have a chance to apply for or go to, you know, music school or whatever else they might go on into in their life. Um, and so it's, it's finding the way to communicate to those different groups of people, but, you know, it's all the same message, right? It's just, you're tailoring it slightly for different groups. And, and when you're looking at that greater message, I mean, I was one of those kids in high school who I think my senior quote was the often misattributed or um, miswritten quote, uh, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world, which is attributed to, to Gandhi. Um, but uh, it was with that kind of boundless optimism and hope that um, I've pursued a lot of my life and career and, and always trying to see who is the greatest, you know, what's the greatest good we can do for the greatest number of people? Um, and, and I think maybe that's what you're picking up on. Mm, 
Well, um, yeah, so very good. So uh, as a performer, I'm gonna let this go in just a second, but do you have one recollection of, of a, an experience, you know, from the performance side that it, that you know will always stick with you. What happened? What, what was that event or that moment on stage, or you know that that really sticks with you that um, um, has made a difference for you? Yeah. Um, well, there was a a master's student um, in musicology um, at University of Miami, and um, uh, I believe um, she's hyphenated her maiden name and, and her her. Um, married name, I think it's Nessia Buder Gallagher. Um, and she uh, got a Fulbright scholarship to be able to mm. go and study saxophone music in Australia. And she had gotten uh, an undergraduate degree in performance. Um, and so uh, with her musicology degree, she wanted to actually put the music in action that she had been studying. Um, and uh, she approached me um, just through the grapevine of knowing folks and getting to know folks in the in the Frost School of Music, um, she said, "You know, I really want to perform this piece. Um, I think you know most of the uh, graduate level music students um, are are not available to perform this with me." Um, and I said, "Well, I'll, I'll give it a crack." You know, um, and so uh, a couple months later, uh, crazy crazy rehearsals later, um, she and I performed this piece um, called Crazy Logic. Um, and it is just an insane piece of music where um, you, the pianist is playing like octaves of this crazy, um, very chromatic pattern um, of music um, along with the saxophonist. And uh, there are moments when you break away from that and then the pianist is accompanying the saxophonist, but it's really, probably the most synergistic performance I've ever um, got to be part of because um, the saxophone is in the middle of the piano. Like you're playing the left hand and the right mm -hmm. hand and then the saxophone's in the middle tones. And so at times the piano has the melody, at times the saxophone has the melody. Um, and then there's this part after all of this crazy cacophony happens where um, the saxophone, Nessia played into the piano and um, you hold the sustain pedal down and it rings those overtone series along with some sustained stuff that, that I played. And, and there was just something magical about that collaboration uh, that had transcended any collaboration I'd ever mm -hmm. had musically mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd say it really felt, the closest thing that I can say it felt like was um, when we performed a piece of, of Eric Whitaker's music in Chamber Singers, um, where um, we were mixed all together as, as the choir, not in sections, but all the voices were all surrounding each other. Um, and I just, uh, moments like that are, are moments I, I can treasure. They're just so intimate and so um, yeah. involved artistically, you know. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, I, I asked that question because you know, just as a little bit of a reminder that, again, that those are things that we don't want to forget in terms of why we value things the, the way we do. Now, you talked a little bit earlier on, you mentioned the idea of an organization having core values. And um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit and just ask maybe what do you think, what do you think are some two or three core values that you may have tailored that has seen you through 
the remarkable challenges you've take, taken on of all the degrees you've done and the different jobs that you've been so successful at. What, what do you think are a couple core values that you think stick with you through, through, through it all? Yeah, well, that, that is a bit of a putting me on the spot question. Um, Go for it. Well, community and community yeah. focus is so important to me, mm -hmm, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, when I serve a nonprofit or have the opportunity to work with musicians or whatever it is that we're creating, it's, it's not just what it is we're putting out there, but it's how does that connect with people? Um, and it doesn't have to be how does it connect with them through the actual music itself, um, but how does it connect with them, you know, do we do a performance that allows folks who normally don't get to hear classical music or get to hear performances uh, have access to that? Do we, um, at the Georgia Symphony, um, we just got uh, a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts to support a sensory friendly concert series that we work on where um, we perform uh, a concert that children with autism and adults with autism can enjoy without it um, frightening them or overwhelming them in the way that music can often do. Um, and also to create a concert experience where it doesn't have to be a dead silent classical music concert hall as has become the norm in a lot of places, but it allows us to um, let those people experience it and make whatever noises and, and and shout and whatever they need to without, you know, whatever the expectation of polite conversation is, you know. Um, but it's it's the community aspects of of how does music and how do how does the art form really connect with you, um, and so that really drives me. Um, I'd say also authenticity, um, it's uh, yeah. being real right. um, with folks yeah. um, and really saying, you know, this has value please, you know, please celebrate this with me. Um, but also not, you know, putting on airs. It's, it, it, I, I'm dressed nice today, um, I think, but, you know, if I could, I would probably just wear, you know- A sweater and a shirt? Yeah, I, probably what you're wearing. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, just being myself, allowing myself to be who I am through, yeah. you know, the work I do. And- yeah. Um, and it's hard to do some of those things sometimes when you're dealing with uh, certain politicizations of things. Um, but if you can be authentic and truly care about the community of the folks around you, um, I think everything else kind of falls in line from there. Um, yeah. People will invest in you for that. Um, people will partner with you um, in that kind of work. Um, and and I, I felt it, you know, when you work for nonprofits and you see what the mission is, um, and you see what the practice is, um, you can see nonprofits who don't really do that right. Um, and, and when you see those mismatches, it's always, it, you can feel it in your gut. Um, and so that's also, I think, has helped drive me down my path. You know, who am I collaborating with? Who am I working with? Um, when am I saying something? Because uh, silence uh, is sometimes the worst thing that could happen. But um, I could probably talk about that forever. I well, am very passionate about yeah. that kind of stuff, you know? Well, it's a topic that um, perhaps is important now more than ever because we are attempting to get people to come back together in rational, rational communal ways, which is very difficult to do these days. But also because, you know, speaking more in the world of arts, we are um, both physically and emotionally coming back together. And so collaborations are going to be sort of at the top of people's lift a list of how do we make this work you know the collaborations through a symphony that you're dealing with are far too many for us to list here 
but every one of them is essential. And, um, and so it's, it's really um, a great sign that that is kind of one of the first things on your mind is how do we make these collaborations a win-win for all of the people that need to make them uh, important to their lives and as we come back. You know, on a personal side, if one were to look at your resume and think and know about your, you know, your personal professional and educational history, I would imagine that they would say as an attribute about you is that you have a particularly strong sense of, of persistence. Um, you know, and I don't know if that's a word that you would use, but I, I would use it. And I'm just kind of curious what your reaction is to the idea that you have been, you know, uh, persistent, I think, is the best word I can come up with. <laughs> um, that's an interesting word. I've never considered myself to be persistent. <laughs> but um, I think perhaps the best way to say this is I, I know when something is a good thing um, and that um, when there's an opportunity to be involved in something um, that, you know, I, I think I am pretty relentless when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, whether it's a personal opportunity for me or an organization that I'm working with, mm. um, or, you know, trying to find an opportunity um, to change someone's mind or to bring some new conversation to the table. Right. Um, and so, I, I mean, well, what, you, what would you say is persistent about my Well, my no, I would say, I would say, the reason I say that is that, um, you know, your, your, your career trajectory, your education trajectory has not been uh, a perfect straight line, nor what I want it to be. I wouldn't want it for you or anybody. Yeah. But it, it but you've overcome, you know, challenges, small and large and sort of always, I was going to say never give up. That, that's true. But I would rather say that you always figured out a way. You always found a way. <laughs> and that's what I connect with persistence is sort of being savvy and saying, okay, this is where I'm at. I'm going to find a way. Yeah. That, that's what I'm responding to when I, when I found, that, found that word. And you don't do it like, um, like a bulldozer. You do it more like a downhill skier, you know, trying to figure out what is the best route and if I have this obstacle here, what's my new opportunity or, uh, you know, over here, you weren't so keyed on a certain line that, you know, you, you were hitting your head against the wall. You always kind of found a new way to go. And that's what I'm referring to for persistence. And that's just me kind of watching from the outside and some conversations we've had, but again, I'm not trying to put you on spot, but that, that just so you know, that's kind of where I'm coming from. And, and I think it serves you well, but how, how do you, you know, does that make sense? It, it does. And in fact, um, now that you've put it in a little bit of context, um, I had a conversation with my mom recently. Um, and and I, I will have to I will have to preface this by saying that my parents have been huge advocates for me, huge supporters of me, um, and I owe so yeah. much to them. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's really critical. I say that because, um, I, sometimes I do feel like I'm kind of going it alone, but it's because I have this wonderful tool set that has just never faltered. Um, that 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 support uh, is just I, I could go on, but um, but uh, one thing that my mom did recently say of me was that like things tend to work out for me, and I and I I thought of it more as a as a superpower rather than something that I'm actively doing. Um, and now that you put it in context, I, I guess, you know, I, I do really go after things. Um, and when an obstacle presents itself, I don't let it totally overwhelm me. And, yeah. and I think it's That's right. having a good support network 
in addition yeah. to having a good education yeah. uh, as you know a good knowledge base a new a, a savvy like i wouldn't say that i'm street smart but i'm definitely like life smart i yeah. i don't know if that's right that um, makes sense and and i think but when you have a good support network of mentors and family and folks you know friends, all of those things. I mean, I, I would not be here today if it wasn't for you. Uh, if I were to, you know, toot your your horn a little bit um, for all of the support that you've given well, me. Um, and and that's, you know, that's what you get with uh, Gary Wood and the Frostbowl. Oh, well, well, that's, that's, that's really great of you to say, but, and, and I, and I always wanted to be there for you, but it's been vice versa. You've been there for me too. So um, that's kind of the way we need to help each other along the way. And to be honest, I know it's true with all the other programs, but, you know, I'll just say a plug for the arts presenting program. We just graduated five and I kind of want to cry because it's like, you see the incredible work that they do over two years time and you get to know them and you see their unique artistry, their new, their unique skill sets and what they're going to be off doing people from all over the world, it's, you know, it's really tough to see them go. And I want to tell you too, that the current group of arts presenting students, the, you know, the ones that are on campus, the ones that are online, I, I just am beyond, I can't even begin to use words to describe how remarkable and wonderful they are and what a gift to my life it is. So yeah, I'm going to do whatever I can to support and help people succeed because I had, you know, a network of people kind of giving me um, help when I needed it along the way too, and a, a kick in the and a tush when I needed it, and and a, you know an arm around the shoulder too. So that's that's kind of what the AP alum are all about. But also, I think the entire Frost School and UM is is really that way. Um, you know, the the idea that you are a performing artist we talked about. I have often felt and feel more strongly about it than ever that. Although I did have a performance degree and I did perform for a while, I have felt more like an artist, a creative, innovative artist speaking to an audience, whether it's students or the community, or whoever the audience is. But I felt more imaginative, more creative, more artistic, more expressive in the world I am now, which would be more of the arts administration world than I ever did as a performing, actual performing musician. Mm. And I don't know if that if that makes sense to you, but it seems to me that you've carried over some of the that which we would think would be inherent to a performer that you're now using, you know, across the line and in the more business world, but you're still an artist, you're still performing. Does that all make sense? And is that true for you? Because I think it is, but I just yeah. want to get your take on it. Absolutely. I mean, I would say... Um... Uh, improvisation is probably the biggest thing. I mean, yeah. in the classical world, we don't really learn improvisation as much as you would, you know, uh, and I think that's growing. I think people are starting to see that in the classical idiom, improvisation is just as important as it is in the traditionally you know, th thought about, you know, jazz idiom, or at least in the last hundred years. I don't know what traditional is anymore necessarily, <laughs> but, um, and I also don't even want to call classical music classical music anymore. I want to start calling it art music because, yeah. you know, it's really uh, trans, uh, uh, genre at this point um, and also classical was that one period of time in that one century whereas you know you got all these other things i could talk about that forever um musicology everyone it's great um but uh in terms of you know responding creatively to problems just uh 
yes. I mean, our arts management and uh, arts presenting and live entertainment management, you know, as an as a overarching field, whether it's for-profit, non-profit, I, I've had uh, production management gigs in the past where it's been like, okay, well, you know, we need to go get some flowers and arrange them and, you know, all kinds of stuff, you know. Uh, I was chasing Yo-Yo Ma around for one day. Um, I was supposed to be helping him around uh, the Kennedy Center in Washington, DC, um, but he was really uh, just like, keep up, kid. <laughs> um, and just, you know, responding to his needs and being uh, available and aware, you know, um, th that takes as much energy and creative thinking as it does being on stage. Cause you know, you gotta make sure the people who are touring every night of the year, um, when it says in their contract that they want a very specific meal item, it's not because they're being a jerk about it. It's because they're on the road so often that they need to eat better than what they would eat if they just yeah. ran into a, a fast food restaurant. So responding mm -hmm. to those kinds of things is just, is critical, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I just find myself to be blessed to be at UM, but the idea that I can create something and I have to time it right and I have to have the right nuance and I have to have the right beginning and ending to make sure that people are grasping it and feeling it emotionally and otherwise, just as I might have done if I were, you know, performing on the clarinet, even more so, you know, it, it seems to me. And that, that's one of the things I, I love about it. So although we do kind of lean to the business world, I guess, that it really, we don't really in a way too, because we're right. using all of the same uh, emotional and, and creative skills that a, that a performer does in our work. So when I teach a course that, that, um, that talks about that, you know, I call it artistry from the inside out, because it doesn't really matter what the job is. It's a really matter of what is our artistry and how are we expressing it. And so I'm kind of getting into that a little bit more and I'm writing a, yeah. a paper about, about it too. But, you know, before we go any farther, um, uh, we're not going to go on forever, but I, I really do want to get into your job now. I mean, um, tell us about the organization. Tell us about your big fancy title Tell us about where physically, you know, physically you're going to be located, what's happening with the institution, all that kind of insider stuff, please. Yeah, sure. So, um, so the Georgia Symphony Orchestra um, is a 70-year-old organization. Um, it was started out of um, something called the Marietta Music Club in Marietta, mm. Georgia, um, mm. which is my hometown. Um, and uh, when the Marietta Music Club came into existence in the mid-40s, um, early 50s, um, it was part of the National Federation of Music Clubs, which is a huge network of groups of people who just appreciate classical music all around uh, the country and uh, maybe even the world. Um, and the uh, organization came out because someone said, well, we're hosting these cool artists from Australia, or we're, you know, having a recital for this musician who's, you know, from one of the universities in Georgia, but wouldn't it be great if we had our own performing ensemble? And so um, over time, we've grown from being a community orchestra of folks. Now we're actually a community professional orchestra hybrid. So we are a union orchestra with paid union players, but we also have members from the community, which is something that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Um, and with an expectation that over time we continue to add to our professional uh, roster um, so that the union will continue to be able to offer paid positions uh, to folks in the metro Atlanta area. Um, but yeah, we're just emerging from the pandemic. 
Um, we did some really neat projects over the pandemic and getting back to the idea of community and partnerships. We had um, a George's Home for the Holidays. It was a series of, I think it was like 45 videos over 45 days from uh, wow. a collection of, I think it was 12 or so different Metro Atlanta arts organizations mm. that are all unified through um, a choral um, partnership thing. Um, and cool. I'm still learning a little bit about the organization, um, but, uh, but it's a really cool partnership group that all came together and said, no, we need to have a series together and do something neat there. Um, you know, we wouldn't be where we are either without our partnerships with uh, Marietta City Schools, which is um, a city school system, uh, again, in, in Marietta, Georgia. Um, and we are actually in residence at the Performing Arts Center at Marietta High School, um, which was built after I um, graduated. But after my first semester of undergrad at Frost, I came back and, and spoke at a public meeting um, to advocate for the facility. So it's kind of a cool, um, big, you know, loop around for me to come back and be able to you know, be at performances of an organization I get to help manage. Um, and uh, we also are partnered with Kennesaw State University with our, our uh, Georgia Youth Symphony Orchestra program. Um, there's just all these great things and partnerships and relationships the organization has developed over time, um, including we've got a really cool um, Art Deco uh, was a movie theater on our historic town square um, that's called The Strand. Um, and it was reopened in the last, I think, 15 years. And mm -hmm. it's just doing some really cool stuff. But again, it's, it's, it's all about partnerships and those relationships. And you know, we've also done like touring video game music concerts where we've been the orchestra hired to do those things. Neat, neat. Um, and so as the executive director, um, I get to be part of maintaining those relationships. I'm part of fundraising activities. I, I, it's sort of a very much a Swiss army knife, jack of all trades, yeah, master sure. of none position. Sure, sure. Um, and it's the opportunity really um, for the first time to it, it, where our music director conducts the orchestra, sets all of the, the season, hires the musicians and you know gets to do that. I get to conduct the operations of the organization and hire all of my staff, marketing, fundraising, whatever. Um, and it's just a really neat opportunity and, and it lets me flex my whole brain um, in, in a way that I've always wanted to uh, as someone who has lots of different interests, uh, you know. Well, you know, I, I um, just to let everybody know, I mean, I was, I was an advocate for you for the position when the, you know, the search committee reached out to me and, you know, basically I, I want to say to you and I want, you know, what I said to them was that you've earned this position. You know, there shouldn't be a moment where you ever sit. I know you, Taylor, and I know that you might step back and say, wow, this is a lot, you know, but you've earned it. There's, there's, don't ever sit, spend a second ever doubting the fact that you have the right uh, training, the right experience, the right vision uh, to be the you're the right person at the right time and so you know be on the front uh, edge of your feet all the time because you have earned it and deserve it um so i'll leave you with that and i i want to i have two last questions for you um one is the idea of leadership um i teach a course in leadership you know here in arts leadership and i'm curious what what would you say is sort of your where you're at right now in terms of how you might define it for yourself and you know so forth no right or wrong answer i'm just curious what is your relationship and thoughts around leadership today sure um well um leadership has changed a lot for me i'd say in the last couple of years and um 
I, I know that there's a term followership that's sort of um, floating around, but mm -hmm. you know, I think leadership comes down to navigating um, relationships with folks um, beyond just doing the work that it needs to get done. Um, and I think that's something I'm learning a lot in my early days as an executive director and incoming executive director, um, as I uh, style myself at the moment. But, um, you know, it's just really walking into relationships with, with people and, and it's knowing that you have to build something with other people that is authentic. You know, as I said before, that, you know, it's the human relationships that help us get everything done. I, I think in a very digital world, we think a lot about how computer systems and tools and technology really allow us to interface with other people in the world. But at the end of the day, you know, when you return home, I mean, Marietta is not a small town uh, it, anymore, uh, but there are still many folks here who see that and, and know those relationships and how important they are. Um, and as do I, I mean, I, um, one thing that is really interesting for me is my great grandfather um, helped found the Rotary Club in Marietta. Um, and my great grandmother um, was actually a member of the Marietta Music Club. And so um, coming home is very much jumping into this historical generational relationships that, that um, have been forged by generations before me. And, you know, I've had folks say, um, Rambos have always been good people. And I'm like, well, thank goodness that my ancestors <laughs> had relationships and positive relationships with right. other people. Right. Um, but, you know, leadership is sort of, it's relationship building uh, first and foremost. And I think uh, if you're good at that, then I, I think other things can come later. Uh, yeah. And that's sort of what I'm experiencing right now. <laughs> well, you, you are. I think one of the things about you in regard to leadership is the fact that, you know, we often talk about leadership being influence. In fact, influence could be a word that we use instead of leadership. And you have ability through through facts that you know, but also in terms of your vision and your your sense of things and so forth to be able to help people uh, see where you're coming from and understand where you're coming from and influence their thinking um, in, in ways that are very, very positive. So I would uh, urge you to kind of continue down that road of thinking of, of positive influences as a real strong leadership style for you. You know, the last thing I wanted to just ask, um, I'm, you know, my background in my picture here is a beautiful grove of trees uh, here on campus at the University of Miami. And my heart is really wrapped around the University of Miami. I just want to finish, Taylor, by asking you, what is it what does it mean to you now and what do you think it'll mean in, you know, as you go forward to have such a long and rich history with this wonderful University of Miami? Well, I, I feel like the, the number of doors that have opened to me because of my involvement with UM um, and, you know, when I say Frost School of Music in the circles of folks who are musicians, you know, they, they respect the institution mm -hmm. and it's been lovely to say I went to Frost um, in New York or in uh, Texas or wherever I've been um, and had people, you know, re respond to that positively. Um, but also because Miami is such an amazingly um, diverse school of folks um, from all kinds of different countries and different places, you know, um, I have friends and, and colleagues uh, who I can count as, as confidants and mentors and supporters uh, all across the country. I was just talking to a friend yesterday um, who went to Frost who was in the Fimeafa fraternity that I was also in. Um, and he was saying, 
I want to do a West Coast tour. And I said, great, let's make it happen. <laughs> uh, and I called up someone that I knew in, in DC and who I'd worked with and developed a relationship with and, and said, hey, would you help uh, this other person like get this tour together? And she said, yeah, great. Um, and so it's those relationships that we build uh, and the networks that we create. But um, I'm just, I'm thankful to have gone to Frost um, to have done some really incredible projects down there while I was there as a student, but to find ways to give back and, and to be in conversation with you today is an example of that. Mm. And, you know, uh, if I could be a faculty member someday, who knows, you know, uh, I, uh, maybe after I get my PhD uh, in a couple of years, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it just Frost is a, is a great school. Uh, loved the AP Live program, loved the interdisciplinary music yeah. business undergrad experience. Uh, you can really do a little bit of everything. I helped start an acapella group while I was down there and yeah. now they're still trucking along and they're doing a great, great work. So you never know what you, you're gonna create uh, down there uh, in Coral Gables, Florida. Well, Taylor, I wanna uh, again, congratulate you on this exciting new position. And uh, as I said earlier on, we're all very proud of you here at the Frost School of Music in the University of Miami. And I wish you very well. well. I'm sure we'll talk again soon, but I wish you all the best and, and in the days to come. Good Great. job. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank you, Taylor. <laughs>